my name is Larry Andrews, and I am absolutely blessed to get to stand in for Pastor Trey this week. So if you haven't noticed, and of course this might just be my humble opinion, but uh, I believe that our Pastor Trey is an extraordinary preacher. Okay? He, he, yeah. He, he really is. And... Um, And me, not so much. <laughs> I mean, really, I do. I'm gifted in some very special ways, but uh, uh, preaching isn't necessarily one of them. Uh, so, what I'm asking each of you to do for me—and is this too loud? You're good. Okay. But what I'm asking each of you to do today uh, is to um, just extend me some grace, okay? Because especially in this case today, I'd ask that you not focus on the messenger. Let's focus on the message because the messenger is not important. The message is eternally significant. All right. And I know it takes a little time to find the scriptures and whatnot. So today we're going to be in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to cover verses 13 through 22. Was that me? (laughs) I don't know. Okay, so please turn your Bibles now because I'm going to be referring to those uh, passages frequently through here. And so, you know when I get up here, I, this is the congregational participation portion where uh, I just start asking questions, right? And, and so, let me just start, uh, start that with, just with a couple, just to verify, okay? Uh, raise your hand if you are not a robot. Okay, if you're not a robot, raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been asked that online many times, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) Okay, yeah, these are actually going to get easier from here. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so raise your hand again if you are wonderfully and uniquely made in God's image. Huh? Yeah. There you go. You bet you are. Okay. Raise your hand again if you are called to be different and called to be holy. Who's? Yes, we are. So the good news, my friends, is you are absolutely in the right place today because that is exactly uh, what this message today confirms. You know, I've I've heard from uh, one of our uh, beloved pastors that there are three important things about understanding Scripture. Okay? I mean, really getting the heart of what was written and why. The first one is context. The second one is context. And the third? You got it. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to begin uh, by looking at why the uh, Apostle Peter wrote this letter and who he wrote it to. And then we're going to go through the scripture, okay, because this... Uh, 13 through 22, right? I want you to get the whole vision of what Apostle Peter's trying to tell us here. Uh, so if, you, if we can, let's just go there now. Um, oh, By the way, if, you're, if you've got one of our neat little uh, Bibles here, that's on page uh, 1259. And if you brought your own, well, <laughs> you'll look it up. <laughs> okay. 
So uh, really, this is actually in the introduction. I'm reading from an NIV version. And I, I apologize for all the popping and whatnot. But First uh, Peter uh, was actually written by the Apostle Paul, one of the Jesus' 12, obviously, uh, to the Christians who lived in the northern part of Asia Minor. These Christians were being, uh-oh, persecuted, right, for their faith. So Peter wrote to encourage them. That's why he wrote this letter. Uh, he urges them uh, to remember how much Jesus suffered for them and to follow his example by trusting God to care for them. Because God chose them to be his people and because Jesus suffered and died for each one of them. And Peter, I, I love, this is an awesome uh, book, uh, but Peter tells these Christians they should, have, they should leave, live holy lives. He goes on to tell them that they can live as Christians in this sinful world and have hope for the future. He tells them how they can handle that uh, in this letter. So we're going <clears> to... <throat> We're going to go with some glasses, and I'm, I'm just going to start. Uh, it'll, it'll say in your Bibles, called to be holy or just be holy, but let's start with uh, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace that is, that grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you called on a father who judges each man's work impartially, Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but from the, redeemed from the empty way of life that was handed down to you from your forefathers. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, he was chosen before the creation of this world, but was revealed in these last days for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and your hope are in God. Now that you have been purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply. From your heart. Okay. Beautiful. All right. So this is going back a ways. But I want to start with a little story uh, from uh, an author, uh, C.E. Montague, in a novel called uh, Rough Justice. And a memorable scene uh, in this book uh, describes a little boy named Braun. And Braun was uh, going to church for his very first time with his nanny. <laughs> and, uh, and he was watching with interest everything that took part in the service. The preacher climbs high on the pulpit and Braun, 
Ron hears him tell some terrible news. It's about a brave, kind man who was nailed to a cross. <laughs> Terribly hurt. And he said this happened a long time ago. But even today, he still feels a dreadful pain, even now, because there was something not done that he wanted them all to do. You know, little Bron thinks that the preacher is telling this story because there's a lot of people right there. And they will surely do something about this injustice. Well, Bron is sitting impatiently on the edge of the pew. And he can hardly wait to see what the first move will be made in righting this injustice. Is that me? It's me, isn't it? Okay. So, but he sits quietly and decides after the service, someone's going to do something about this. Little Braun begins to weep, but nobody else seems upset at all. The service is over. The people walk away as if they had not heard the terrible news, as if nothing remarkable had happened. Well, Braun gets his stuff and and he leaves with his nanny, and he's just trembling. And his nanny looks at him, and he says, Little Braun, he said, don't take it to heart. He goes, someone will think you're different. Someone will think you're different. Different to be alive and sensitive in one's spirit. Different to show emotion. <laughs> different to listen to what's going on in God's house and really hear and really respond. Different to take Christ seriously? Yeah. You know, uh, shouldn't Christians really be different? Shouldn't we be distinct, separate, not the same? Christians should be a bit out of the ordinary, even a bit unusual, depending on who you are, right? <laughs> Christ was distinct, separate, and out of the ordinary in every way. And he called his followers to be the same. And I love, thank you, Dan, and the worship team for spending that time this morning talking about holy because you're spot on. The biblical word holy describes really the contemporary word different or set apart, right? A holy person is not an odd person, but a different person. A holy person has a quality about their life that is unique. Their present lifestyle is not only changed from the past lifestyles, but it's set apart from the lifestyles of the unbelievers around us. A holy person takes Christ seriously. And I'm sorry, I'm moving this mic, doesn't like it. Uh, believers in Christ have been called to this unique life and different lifestyle. You know, Peter wrote, As the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. For it's written, Be holy because I am holy. That's First Peter 15 and 16. And actually, called is, may just be too passive of a word. Uh, we have been commanded to be holy, to live a holy life. That's energetic. This, has, this is how Eugene Peterson, uh, one of the editors in uh, the message he put it, energetic and blazing with holiness. 
You know, someone once said, he said, you may choose a married life. You may choose to be single. Okay? But uh, it is not left to us to choose whether or not we live a holy life. Holiness is not an option. It's a command from our God who created and loves us. Okay, so let's... And I can, ima- I can imagine, you know, my gosh, if it were 30 years ago and I was sitting out there, I'd be going, oh, 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 wait, wait, just a minute here. There's a little problem with this being different thing. And I can imagine somebody thinking, hold on, hold the phone, Larry. <laughs> wait just a minute. This holiness thing is just a bit too much for me, right? And the problem is that we don't want to be different. And why is that? Think about growing up. School's a great example. Uh, but we value conformity. We do value conformity. We don't want to stand out in a crowd. We wear the same style clothes, talk the latest slang. We conform to the in things, right? Like Bronze Nanny, her worst fear in life was being different. We don't want to be perceived as being odd. We have become somewhat of an assembly line society in that respect. We are terrified of being set apart. You know, we visualize a caricature of holiness. Furthermore, we don't like the idea of holiness because we think it communicates an attitude and displays actions that have really become, in our society, is known as, what, holier than thou, right? We disdain from a spirituality and a behavior that puts one on a pedestal as being better than the rest. Here's a newsflash. Jesus also despised this type of mentality and morality. And that was, he specifically noted in the Pharisees. And just on the odds of being right, we're going to go ahead and agree with Jesus on this. <laughs> right? We understand, we misunderstand what it means to be holy. You know, to add additional weight to the reasons for not living a life of holiness is because it conjures up images of being a monk or a priest, right? We think that holy people live in a faraway monastery, separating themselves from any kind of fun and frivolity. They wouldn't have been at Bo's birthday, right? Monks or priests? No, wouldn't have been there. Okay. Uh, we think that holy people live in far, or far, far away. And they trade in their luxurious cars, their comfortable homes, and their well-paying jobs for a Peace Corps stint in some undeveloping country, Right? That's what a lot of people think holy is. And consequently, what do we say? Ooh, not for me, (laughs) right? Well, real holiness, the genuine and authentic character of being different is none of those things I just mentioned. And yet it's more than than that. What does it mean to be different? Oops. Bear with me. Fortunately, uh, Peter answers that question for us. The meaning of being different. It means that we think differently. To be different begins with the proper preparation of our minds. It's the very first thing Peter tells us to do. Prepare our minds, right? Okay. Uh, And Peter uses a Middle Eastern analogy to describe 
how one is to prepare their minds. During his time, uh, the men wore these long flowing robes, right? And when they were preparing to do work or to run, they'd hike those things up. They'd secure them around their waist with a belt or a girdle. And, uh, and they'd go about their labors. It gave them the freedom to move around. So today, we might use an expression called, uh, let's roll up our sleeves, all right, and get to work. In other words, we're going to take the initiative in preparing our, our minds for a life of holiness, Is it going to require some effort? Yeah. Okay. Is it going to be easy? Mm, I don't think so. Is it going to be a blessing to God's kingdom and your life? No question. You know, behavioral scientists uh, have, uh, have discovered that human behavior is determined to a great extent by the subconscious in our mind. You know, I spent 40 years in the computer industry, and this really resonated with me because there's a computer vocabulary that really describes the potential of human behavior. Garbage in, garbage out. What happens when you put good stuff in? You get good stuff out. I'm telling you, being different for Christ is good stuff. Okay? So he says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is, says the writer of Proverbs 23, 7. The apostle Paul warns us not to let the world squeeze us into a mold. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So it means that we need to live differently. You know, a natural outgrowth of thinking right is actually living right. When we begin to think uh, new thoughts, we begin to live a distinct life. There's a, you guys remember Henry Thoreau? A rugged New England individualist of the 19th century. Well, one time, rather than, than pay his tax to a state that supported slavery, uh, Henry Thoreau just didn't pay his tax. And actually during this, uh, and he was in jail for it. And during that period, he wrote uh, one of his famous essays called Civil Disobedience. Well, Henry Thoreau had a good friend, Rolf, Rolf Waldo Emerson. And Rolf hurried to visit his friend uh, Henry in jail. And he was peering through the bars. And he said, you know, he goes, Henry... What are you doing in there? Thoreau was a bit of a sharp wit, and he replied, "Uh, No, Ralph. The question is, what are you doing out there? (laughs) Right? Oops. Who's the different one? Little Braun or his nanny? Thoreau in jail or the rest of us outside? At another time, this amazing man commented, If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it's because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music for which he hears, however measured or far away. For any man or woman who accomplishes anything worthwhile must have courage to live uh, differently because they are marching to a different drummer and are not afraid to be out of step with the rest of the world. Being different. 
it means that we love differently. We're talking about what does it what does it mean to be holy? We love differently. Love truly sets us apart. Love is a display of holiness. And if there's one test to a Christian, this is the litmus test. Our love. And it's not just any kind of love. It's a sincere love from our hearts. It's genuine. It's authentic. Like God's love for us. Our motive is not to get Believe that, saying that in this world, our motive is not to get, but to what? Give. Exactly right. It's deep love. It's intense. It's fervent. It means to love with all your strength. Christian love is not a feeling. Uh, It's a matter of will that is both unconditionally surrendered and committed to our holy God and Savior. It's a pure love. It's spotless. It's clean. Men speak romantically about it on television, on the internet. But God speaks realistically about it, about loving from a pure heart. So this same kind of love is what Jesus talked about when he told his disciples. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Think about it. New, new people coming through the door. If we, if we don't like each other, if we're not for each other, if we don't love each other, what the heck are we doing sitting here, right? So anyway, love one another, okay? Uh, in the first century, in fact, a pagan uh, went to report on the early church movement that was really just getting started. Uh, and he visited a, a compound where the Christians were camped out and living, and he, he really intended to uh, slam them pretty hard. He wanted to write something bad. But instead, this is what he wrote. Behold how they love one another. Whew. It means that we talk differently. Different thinking leads to different le- living, which leads in turn to different loving, which in turn leads to different talking. The words we uh, use most reveal, obviously, uh, whether we are truly different or not. Uh, we live in a world that actually uses words to what? Put people down? Yeah. Tear people up? Yep. Those who are different use words to build people up, to give hope. You know, the, the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones. Very misleading. Words can be hurtful, and words are powerful. And words have the power to to edify, to give life, but they also have the power to discourage and kill dreams. Have you ever had your joy stolen? Think about it. Have you ever had your joy stolen because someone of someone's reckless words, or had your self-esteem damaged by someone's hurtful comments? Yeah. Dan, we're, we're going to wrap up here, so if you could bring the worship team back up, I'd appreciate it. Today, the world has a desperate need for people who are different. We need people who will carry their faith into the, in, into the office. I'm sorry. We need people that will carry their faith into society, 
on board an airplane into Uganda. We need people who are going to carry their faith in school and to work and to your homes. We need people who are willing to be different, even if it costs them social popularity, their economic fortunes, or even their very lives. You know, one does not attain that kind of distinctiveness except through a personal relationship with Jesus. We can't make ourselves that way, but he can. He is the one that issues the drumbeat of the different drummer. He is the one that calls us to stand out of the crowd, to be distinct, to be separate, and unusual. So many of us have the unusual part down pretty good. (laughs) But he calls us to be different. And he calls us to be differently his. You know, I do. I sincerely pray that what you've heard this morning and going through these scriptures in God's house today is going to encourage you to be differently holy in a way that our God and our Savior have called us to be for his kingdom and his glory. You know, and as we do each week, and Aliyah, I think, and Mary and some of us are going to be over there at the foot of the cross, okay? If you need to come pray about your current state of holiness, or if you have anything else that you want to pray about, please meet us there. It's the beginning of healing, okay? So let me just close our time together with love. And thank you guys for your patience. I so apologize for the mic. What do you do? But we love you, Father. You are amazing. We know that every thought, we know that you know our every thought before we even think them. And yet you desire to communicate with us. Our companionship, Father, brings you joy. Let our lives bring you glory. Father, because you desire for us to reach out to you, you take our hand and somehow we feel secure. You know, Father, we are well aware that nothing in this world is forever. Here today, gone tomorrow, but you, O Lord, are forever. And we, your children, are never alone because we get to love and serve a risen Savior this day. In Christ Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen.